Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back Show, where intimacy is real. If you desire to intimately connect with yourself, your significant other, children, family, friends, community, and your higher power, this show is for you. Thus, we explore intimate topics, inspiring life stories, spirituality, and insightful tips on strengthening relationships. This show is hosted by Dr. April and her co-host, Dr. Kelly. Now let's get this episode of the Bringing Intimacy Back Show started because we share with you the secret power to intimacy to create a life you love or love the life you create. Now here's your host, Dr. April and co-host, Dr. Kelly. Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back Show where intimacy is real. Yeah, so how are you doing, Dr. Kelly? I'm doing good. I'm up here in northern Michigan, enjoying the cold. Not oh. really. <laughs> yes. Well, this is our first show of May. And if May, of course, it is Mental Health Awareness Month, which is fabulous, which is something that's, of course, dear to my heart. And I know it's, it's what got Dr. Kelly and I both into this field of helping others is mental health. I'm completely aware of my mental health this May 6th. Yes. I'm glad that we are um, um, having a month that's helping people become aware of mental health because it's increasingly more and more important. Yes, definitely. And before we get officially started, I want to tell our audience who are listening, who are like, well, Wow, you guys talk about a lot of interesting things and you bring to the table a lot of interesting topics. So if you want to support us, we have a Patreon uh, account and you can go to patreon.com slash BIB podcast, subscribe, and it's really only $5 a month. So really definitely think about that. Another thing that we have that we're so um, happy to have is a store for bringing intimacy back. We have a store. And so, on our, yes, yes. If you go onto our site, and I'm going to share the screen, but I know there are many people who are out there listening. And so they may not be um, able to see it. So, um, well, I was going to share the screen. I'll try to describe it. I love yes. my bringing intimacy back mug. Oh, yes, definitely. So, on our um, site, that we have, it's called Bringing Intimacy Back, and there's a store, and on the store, we have a dating video that is $4.99 if you're interested in doing dating. We also have um, a book that I just created, which is called Improving Intimacy, and that's $5.99. That's actually on Amazon, so that's another great thing that we have, and um, we just have a lot of interesting things on the website, so please check the website out, www.bringingintimacyback.com. Going back to one of the things that I wanted to say about Mental Health Month, um, we also honor a nonprofit, which is called, and our charity of the month is Mental Health America. Um, I don't know if you've ever gone into that site, Dr. Kelly. It's an amazing site. Yes, there are so many resources. Yes, yes. And on that site of uh, Mental Health uh, I'm sorry, Mental Health America on that site, you can actually go on the site and they have a link there where if you're thinking, you know, I don't know if I'm feeling anxious, depressed, whatever, they have checkups. Or you're like, um, well, maybe I need a resource in this area for my friend. They have resources, they have information. So definitely check that out. Okay, 
Well, that's enough of our announcement. <laughs> of course, with mental health, mental health is right up here. You know, guys, it's up here. And guess what? When it's up here, it's held somewhere. It's held in our body, which is key. And so today, what we have is someone who connects the up here, of course, and the body. Yes, I want to welcome Dr. Farid Zarif. How are you doing? Fantastic, fantastic. It's great to be here. I'm, I'm ready to go. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm so excited. Dr. Uh, Dr. Kelly, you from Michigan? That's great. Or are you just visiting there? Oh, no. Oh. I'm a Michigander. I am too. I'm from Detroit, Michigan. I was like, yay, now? <laughs> I'm from up here, Alpena. Oh, yeah. I hit, ooh. That's like, what is that, uh, Grand Rapids area? Four hours from north, uh, north. Yeah, I'm right on Lake Huron, an hour and a half from the bridge. Oh, mercy. Wow. Mercy. It is just chilly. It's cold. It's a great place for intimacy. Yes. <laughs> we have two Michiganders here. That's right. <laughs> it's a good room. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I want to tell you guys a little bit about um, Dr. Zarif. He is a nationally recognized, and he does, I'm high found him because he was doing, or maybe still is, of course, eating disorders and specialists. Yes, and that's where a lot of his nutrition and his background is in that. But he also um, is really into being, being very fit um, and having different products and services to work with the body. So he is a professional spokesman, a leading clinician, clinician, sorry, <laughs> um, author and authority on eating disorder, um, or herbology, which I'm interested in here, and fitness and human nutrition. He has a program called the executivelifediet.com, which I'm so excited about mm -hmm. hearing about, and the five steps on that. So welcome. How are you doing? I'm wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. It's great to be with you ladies this, this morning. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I just know it. I just got good feelings. This is going to be on. <laughs> okay, yes. Since we're going to bring it on, and you mentioned already about being in Detroit and intimacy, how do you first define intimacy? Um, uh, being transparent uh, would be my best answer. Uh, intimacy is, uh, first of all, I think that uh, you have to set a grounds for it. You know, I think that there isn't a lack of knowledge. I think that it's just say what's missing is actually the courage to have the understanding, to be on the, the same page about things and then move forward. I think many of us, what we do is that we open up and we trust without anybody earning the trust. Mm. And then we end up in these really very difficult situations and feeling that uh, this was nothing but another long date or this was just another, you know, connection. And we write it off as just something that happens commonly. But uh, understanding or having the courage to understand that is to have your belief systems uh, challenged. That is to have the listenability uh, to share also and, and to come together as, as one as one unit. Uh, it's very difficult to come together as one unit when uh, you're not on the same page. And it's very difficult if one person is still caught up in their 
playing days or, you know, playing the field. That's what I mean by that. And, and not being serious uh, about uh, the things that are involved with the intimacy, the components of intimacy, not just your idea of it, but the components, meaning that you got to be able to communicate. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And what I was just thinking as you're saying all that, um, when people sometimes find themselves in these situations where they're not connected with someone or with the wrong person, many of us um, have gotten to food. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Because that becomes the surrogate. That becomes uh, what takes the place of that, that intimate relationship. So emotional eating is a huge part of, um, you know, uh, illness or maladies, because when it comes to um, the bottom line or the big picture, when it comes to intimacy is euphoria. You know, we're all looking for euphoria in some kind of way. It's not, you know, I'm a bad person. I'm everybody has their degrees of euphoria. So it's like, if I can find euphoria in this person, and, and unfortunately, people don't approach uh, euphoria with homeostasis or balance, equilibrium right. in mind. They just go for it and they gobble it up and they can abuse uh, the opportunity to be with one overdoing it, overdoing it in talking, overdoing it in sex, overdoing it in eating, overdoing mm-hmm. it in all these different areas. And it leaves it lopsided. Balance is the key through I don't care what relationship is in. Uh, balance is the key, knowing your boundaries. And as you were saying that, I was just thinking of one of those buffets where they have um, just a buffet of relationships <laughs> or people and you just go in and out and just go. <laughs> that's true that's that's perfect <laughs> yeah speaking yeah. of buffet to prepare for today's healthy topic i have a buffet Whoa. i'm one of those formerly formerly emotional mm-hmm. eaters so I, I i hope you don't mind if i eat in front of you some blueberries all. and Ooh. cantaloupe and Hey, I can't the loaf. What can I say? <laughs> oh, that looks I, so good. Oh, I wish you were here. And I wanted yeah. to ask you what you be- what you believe is a balanced diet, the best part of a balanced diet. Okay. I think fruits and vegetables and what do you think? Well, you know, the key word that you just said there is what do I believe? Unfortunately, in nutrition science, most of what we know are only expressions of a person's uh, opinions. Uh, You know, when it comes to science, most science is understood as being unambiguous. However, most people, when they're talking about nutrition, they are talking about your belief system, what I believe to be Mm. true. You see, so you have, uh, there's uh, most of nutrition that we know of is all political. It has everything to do with people with deep pockets and being a lifetime customer, nothing to do with being healthier. 
In other words, nutrition versus nourishment is what we should know. We should know more about nourishment. If I went through the ABCs of the vitamins right now, there would be a couple that would pop out in, in, in the audience's mind, but there's only a couple that they kind of know, kind of don't know. Oh, I know vitamin C. Okay, don't you do that when you take a cold? You know, uh, that's what we've been taught. Uh, vitamin D3. If I talk to any patient, any patient, I can tell them that they're deficient of vitamin D3. And it would be acceptable because it's just a wide blanket uh, uh, approach to having the person at least have the idea that they're feeling better. Now, I see that you're eating uh, fruit. Now, fruit, I'm going to see if I can share yeah. this with you. If I can, I'm going to share screen right fast. Um, let me see here. I'm probably making you hungry. Uh, no, I'm actually on this. I'm going to share with you this, uh, this stuff. Can you see this, everybody? Yes, I can. Yes. Okay. Yes. So here, uh, if you, you can also go on my uh, site um, uh, and get this, you can download it after you just put in some uh, little basic information. But this is what we, uh, this is how we should be eating according to all of, uh, and I've been, you know, studying and, and testing and everything you can observing over the last 30 plus years that we don't have a rhyme or reason for eating. We just eat because usually we're hungry or somebody told us it's time to eat. You know, it's like, come okay. on, we got to take a snack or something. No kind of control when it comes to this. And then we have people that really have good intentions of eating correctly, but right. they get the two things mixed up. I'm eating good and I'm eating healthy. Mm. Anybody, you know, a person can say, man, I'm eating right. good. And it can right. be ribs and it can be, you know, <laughs> exactly. it can be right just on. something that's well, just it's delicious. The culture, yes. 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 So here now I'll go to this is uh, uh, rhythmic ingestion. Uh, this is uh, one of the uh, papers that uh, this is a, a peer reviewed uh, study that I have on uh, rhythmic uh, ingestion, but I've put it in a simple terms of the rhythm diet. Now, the very first hour here. That's the before, first hour that you wake up? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. The very first hour. So if you wake up, we have all different types of, sometimes I have to get up at three in the morning because I'm talking to doctors in Bangladesh. Right. Or sometimes I have to get up at 12 uh, p.m. because, or, you know, I can shift things around because I have to talk to somebody that uh, um, uh, the convenient time for them is uh, eight hours okay. uh, difference, you see. So, you know, it does change. This is the point that our human, our system, systemically, our systemic physiology um, simply says or expresses that our body is doing something differently every hour for the first 12 hours that we're up. So just eating just because doesn't make sense, but eating for a cause is what makes really sense. makes sense. Okay. So we get up uh, the just like the sun, it rises and then it gets to the pinnacle of the zenith, the highest point of the sun. This is where it's hottest. 
And right. then it goes down. The human body works very much like this. It gets up mm. in the morning, the brain and the heart, the heart is beating slower. The brain waves are slower. And as it in goes, uh, uh, continue to move through the day, as you see, third hour, fifth hour, seventh hour is the peak of our yes. Uh, bodies. This is where we're getting more blood per stroke in the heart. This is where our brain is. This is where we're most active. This is where we have the most energy also. So this is why it is uh, very appropriate to eat the largest meal at the in the center of your day. Eating dinner is all of this stuff is set up by employers, Wow. This, this is, is amazing just... because and then actually I was just counting the hours um, and I usually get hungry. Um, that's why Dr. Kelly's eating right now. Around two or three. <laughs> I, yes. <laughs> and uh-huh. I had to throw food in my mouth just now before I started this. But yes, uh-huh. which is basically around my seventh hour. Yes, this is. Also, it's a cure for anybody with, uh, you know, bulimia, uh, anybody with uh, anorexia nervosa, even nocturnal, especially nocturnal eating disorder, because it gives you a balance throughout the day. See, when people say I'm hungry, hungry, that means it's already past the point that they should have eaten. We've been taught to eat when you get hungry. Then when you eat, you're so famished that we overeat. So that means that we cause uh, uh, problems again with uh, when we're talking about homeostasis, right? In order to have that, it's about balance. Why do we say drink so many, uh, like 64 ounces a day, eight ounces uh, per uh, uh, day, uh, per Eight ounces, uh, eight ounce glass. I don't know who made that up, but um, that uh, just simply means the intention is that our body is doing it's at its optimal. And when we talk about optimality, that we're talking about when you feel your best, when you're thinking your best, when you you can take a blow and not even feel it because you just you know you're right yeah, yeah, there, yes. you're balanced. You know nothing yes. can move you from that. Now people that aren't balanced, you can say boo and they'll get offended. They get right into the defensive mode. You know, what do you say? Boo to me. I don't understand. You know, because interact. Yes. But when you have uh, this balance and the balance can be emotionally, uh, physically and otherwise, but balance is the key homeostasis. So let's run through this really fast. The first meal has a purpose and the purpose here. And according to what the body is doing, uh, as far as the brain and the heart, Uh, is that uh, the best thing to do here is to eat those foods that will stimulate a bowel movement that will give you uh, refreshing your body from the night before you just got up and also to stabilize you as you're getting up and getting involved in the day. What do you eat? Detergent food. What are they? Fruit. The fruit groups, fresh fruit and water. Why fresh fruit and water? Because they're the best equalizers out of all the fruit groups. Whenever you're feeling like you're a little bit on the side right. or something, it's usually fruit or vegetables that you're going to use in order to get that balance. So is coffee, okay. Um, coffee is that- okay. As long okay. as you don't drink over three cups. If you drink okay. it over three cups, uh, you know. You, no, yeah, I just do a black coffee. And does coffee count as water? Because I use no. water to make the coffee. Well, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you do <laughs> get funny. 
you do get water from coffee. However, it's absorbed very slowly. There isn't any immediate hydration from it. Okay. However, it is, uh, uh, most of it is about 5% is just uh, uh, the coffee itself. 95% right. is water. So right, exactly. you're going to excrete mostly water um, and, and you're using the caffeine doing the metabolism of the caffeine. So uh, it, it is good for a diuretic, however. Um, it, okay. it can make you use the bathroom more, uh, and that's good to uh, keep a nice strong stream. Um, okay. Now, the, <laughs> the, uh, the third hour is, this is when it starts, is the closer it gets up to the seventh hour, the more complex it gets. So you add a little protein-dominant food. Protein-dominant food uh, doesn't mean that, uh, you know, like a steer or a, a oh, chicken. But it can be or, nuts. Yeah, I mean, any the foods that the, here is what's, what's happening with the food. It, we've been taught that protein, as soon as we think of protein, it's all in meat. Right. And, and this is really, really, it's, it's just, it's totally erroneous because it's the animal becomes like the middleman. Uh, you can get <laughs> direct protein from what they're getting protein from, and that's plants. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we're, we'll... You know, if we have to, we go through the nitrogenous state and how it's extrapolated and how you take the from the air and how uh, those amino acids are then uh, uh, changed into amino acids that uh, the human body can use. And those amino acids are the components of protein. There you go. But the thing about it is that most of us, we've learned what is called manufactured We've manufactured ignorance. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's an art. Ignorance. Yes, manufactured ignorance is when people purposely, purposely make up lies and they continue to repeat those lies to become the truth. So when earlier <laughs> when Dr. Kelly said, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's really about, you know, when she said belief, yeah, a lot of people... Uh, most of the programs that I go get on with other doctors and or registered dietitians and and so forth. Oh man, is a lot of times you they just have the wall up and it's like this is what I truly know. Well, how do you know that? Most of the information that they got their their knowledge from are nothing but suggestions and in subjectivity. It has nothing to do with. Clarity of how it affects most people. It is all about selling a product and us becoming lifetime customers. Period. That's where it comes from. So, yeah, I mean, only in America, only in America, can you be convinced that eating a half a loaf of bread at a restaurant for lunch is healthy. Yeah. I'm not going to say the name of the restaurant, but it starts with sub. And it's a half a <laughs> loaf of bread. And in America, hey, that's healthy. Yeah. Put veggies in it. Yes, that's it. And that's that's part of the lie. Another big lies that have been told of manufactured, uh, these these. Uh, manufactured ignorance. As a matter of fact, there's a science. Uh, uh, it's uh, ign- igno- uh, agnotology. Uh, and agnotology is the study of ignorance. And this is 
you know, you study the ignorance so that you'll be able to teach people how to take science to fight science, how to make, for instance, smoking. When people were smoking, it's like, you know, they knew smoking was just terrible for your health. However, they knew also that they had the money that they can keep putting the advertisement in front of you so you so people can say, oh, oh, yeah, oh, this is Pell-Mell, or this is Viceroy, oh, this is the best, or the, 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 re, the um, cigarette that's most uh, uh, desired by surgeons. They even had a cigarette that was most desired by pregnant women. It was like, wow. it was just, oh my gosh. it was just, and now, and you can look up, look, well, anything that I, that I say, you can, you, you can look it up, but this is a, a particular thing. If you like to look at it is 1969. Also 1969. This is when uh, you took all seven of the major uh, cigarette companies uh, were subpoenaed to come to uh, the white house and they had to sit in front of Congress and in front of Congress, those leaders, Every one of them lied about it because they uh, actually agreed that we're going to go in here and we're going to create this science that will go against the science that they're using against us. In other words, something that make they got their own scientists, they got their own studies, and they got their favorable okay. results to say that what you've been told about nicotine and tar, what you've been told about tobacco is all incorrect. Now, let us tell you this new lie. And that's where we are now with food. food. Most of the things that we believe about food and diet, diet, you know, diet, all diets work for maybe two days, three days, two months or what have you, because the body is transitioning to a different way of eating. So that's why you can have some people like, and it's usually like um, just a little difference here and there, but they feel the difference. But we're creatures of habit. If you don't change the mind, you don't change, you won't change the habit. anything. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And, and taking care of your mind. Yes. I'm sorry, doctor. And taking care of your mind and your body, because many yeah. of us just eat and eat, and we yes. don't think about what goes into our our body. It's just about the taste. That's right. And they capitalize, and I say they, and I mean those people that are in the food industry, they capitalize on our ignorance. And, and as long as they keep us ignorant, meaning that distracted, we're distracted with calories, how much sugar is in something, the kind of butter, is it margarine, saturated fat, what kind <laughs> of saturated fats are they? You know, okay, we have the South Beach diet, we got the cabbage diet, we got the spaghetti diet, we got the ice cream, the cookie diet, you know, all of these things, it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I guarantee you'll find them, you know, and we got so much information. You know, uh, yesterday I was speaking uh, to a university and uh, while I was talking, you know, of course, they, everything I said, oh, yeah, I found it. There it is, you know. Yeah, because yeah. So these these yeah. things are, are, are studies and they are the history and they are also the consciousness that makes up our mind today that leads us to the types of decisions that we make when it comes to food. Okay, so on the 10th and the 12th and 13th hour, um, it's lighter, 
And yes, that's, yes, that is correct. So and, the yeah, first uh, we want to clear out our, uh, you know, we do the, the initiation. I'll come back later uh, for the why the but digestion and having that bowel movement in the morning is super, super important. When you miss this, a lot of people miss the first, the third and the fifth. They don't eat until lunch. They might have a coffee down here somewhere between the first and the fifth hour, they'll have a coffee and maybe, I don't know, a few beer nuts. I don't know. But whatever they're eating <laughs> is hardly anything. <laughs> and then from there, after they eat the large, they eat the large meal. And that's usually lunch where you see largest meal. They'll have lunch and they'll have pastrami, uh, some fries or whatever. Now, here, the largest meal should be protein and carbohydrate-dominant foods. When I say dominant, it simply means that bread, for instance, you can eat bread that is, is protein-dominant, like, for instance, wheat berry. And if you eat this type of food, this is uh, dominant, like uh, nuts, protein-dominant. Um, uh, you have uh, beans, uh, legumes are protein-dominant. Uh, you have plankton or you have uh, uh, things that uh, plants that are high in chlorophyll, for instance, right? And blue algae, you know, you've heard of that, a uh, blue green algae, all of those are high in protein, chia seeds, high in protein. And this is uh, how uh, we get uh, protein from in uh, uh, foods that are not a part of the animal kingdom. When you eat here in the middle of the day, you eat the largest meal. So you have the rest of the day to actually walk it off, dance it off, run it off, uh, work it off. Laugh you know? it off. Yeah, right. laugh it off. You got all of this time to do that. You don't take all of this food to bed with you because uh, it's not enough activity once you uh, retire to sleep. After the largest meal, you wait. All of these are from the first all the way up to the seventh. There's two hours between. You take a two-hour break. And remember, small amounts of food, very small amounts of food. If you have one of those big dishes where you have, like, look like you're, you know, like a, a, a setting at a, at a Thanksgiving uh, a dinner, re- reduce the plate. Have a smaller plate. Okay. Uh, take a dessert plate and then... Uh, serve yourself on a smaller plate. Um, If you think you're eating too much of that, get an even smaller plate. Uh, If it's it's too much of that, like if you're eating a lot of sweets and stuff, get a little teacup and put a part of the sweet in it. Work on reducing it little by little. The transition is very important to the success of whatever you're attempting to reach. the 10th uh, is three hours afterwards. Now, this is when you eat your calmative. You stop eating all protein-dominant food. Of course, no protein, no dairy after this because proteins, uh, fats are difficult to break down. This makes your heart work harder. That's why United States still leads after 100 years in cardio, myocardial infarctions. So that means sudden heart death. But we keep doing it because it's habit, it's tradition. And it's also very superannuated. Nobody eats like this anymore. The old way of eating is to eat, work your butt off, and then come home, and then dinner is ready. It's like, you know, dad out in the fields, he comes home and get the big chicken. Mm -hmm. Dr. Zarif, when when can I eat popcorn? Popcorn is an empty, well, it doesn't, popcorn doesn't yield any energy. 
therefore, there's nothing in popcorn. Uh, it is good when, if it's something to curve uh, your appetite. Uh, um, a lot of times, if it is a, uh, if you're looking at TV or something like that, again, in balance, you know, popcorn hasn't ever poisoned anybody or you never heard anybody, somebody ate too much popcorn and, you know, had to get some medication for it or something. But it is important to have a small amount. Popcorn is just mostly just fiber. And it, it, is, uh, uh, it is used just for that. But uh, the butter, the salt that goes along with it uh, may not be favorable to your system. It's just, you know, if you're going to eat popcorn, have fun with it. Just It's like a little, you know, treat. It's like going out for, for dessert. You know, it's just like they give you a little slice of pie. Some of the restaurants give you this big chunk, like they're, they're giving you some for the family, too. And it's really too much, but that's where we run into problems. It's not so much that the food that we have available is bad. It's just that we have too much of what is good. And when we eat it, we overdo it. We overdrink. We over. Now, there's some things that I wouldn't do at all. And that is like to suppress my immune system by smoking. Smoking is just a no-no. It's like some people still do it. Some people swear by it. I don't think that I don't expect the whole world to agree with me or anybody else. However, I think that it's really important that uh, we know the things to keep, uh, to focus on, to, to make sure that we're balanced, not to overdo it. Okay, uh, all right. Sm- so we're going to take a little small break, though. But when we come back, I would love for us to talk about how all this eating um, does improve intimacy with ourselves and with others. We'll take a short break. And when we come back, we'll finish up this conversation. Thank you so much for all that that you provided. Yeah. Are you wanting a vacation in paradise? A vacation to rekindle the passion? A vacation without the kids? A vacation where you can learn how to communicate, where you and your partner actually hear each other and gain insight. If so, Vacation Counseling is your next vacation. Dr. April Brown has created Vacation Counseling in Southwest Florida as a perfect option for you and your partner. Our retreats are one couple at a time. We have a variety of packages available to choose from, including virtual couples retreats. If you and your partner are interested in the vacation counseling, please visit us at vacationcounseling.com for more information on pricing and packages. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. To keep track of the latest news, stories, activities, or coupons on vacation counseling and Dr. April's other services, we encourage you to sign up to receive a monthly newsletter called Intimate Connections at draprilbrown.com. Remember, if you and your partner are struggling with communication and intimacy, and you all are looking for a retreat to connect, Vacation Counseling can be your next vacation in Southwest Florida. Welcome back to the Bringing Intimacy Show, where intimacy is real. So we've been talking with Dr. Zarif, and he's been explaining about um, the different times that we need to eat, and even starting off that when we wake up in the morning, that we need to make sure we have our vegetables and things that help move us so we can um, cleanse our system, and how we eat our most 
meal, I think it's at, at what, seven hours? Yeah. At this yes, stage. yes. Yeah, and seven. is where we should have our big meal. And then how we shouldn't really have proteins or just, we really need to cut things down moving towards when we go to rest. Now, my question is, so how does this, or even before we get to that, let's talk about how does eating poorly affect relationships? And then how, if we were to change and to start eating, you know, um, in this healthy where we're eating little bit by little bit and not just like can affect our relationship with ourselves, which is one of the most important, of course, yeah. and with others. Well, you know, um, eating is eating and feeding is an emotional thing. It, it's, uh, if you can't control what you eat, you can't control your emotions. If you can't control your emotions, you can't control what you eat. Uh, it's just controlling your emotions uh, with food is very important because we're taught to eat emotionally. Uh, when you see uh, advertisement uh, on TV, you'll have people always laughing, smiling, feeling good around food. I, I hardly have ever seen anybody that would uh, show a very uh, sensitive or uh, a, um, uh, anything that would be negative when it comes to, to eating. However, it does slip in there every once in a while. If you, if you think of like m big movies like um, <clears throat> Soul Food, for instance, I don't know if you all seen yes. Soul Food, but Soul Food is a, a, a movie about a grandmother. They got her family together every Sunday and they got together on this huge palatial table and it had everything that you can name as far as good food, macaroni and cheese, ribs, chicken, turkey, all everything. Well, gr grandma or Big Ma, she was referred to, eventually dies of diabetes. And everybody's sad and crying. They're going to miss her because they're used to visiting every week. They, after uh, burying her, get together during the repast. They sit down and they have a discussion. They're holding, every, uh, holding each other and, and, you know, consoling each other. And they're about to eat the same thing that killed Big Mom. It's just that kind of message. It didn't, it, there wasn't a message to, that, that uh, would uh, express eating that certain way would uh, uh, guide you to, or you would end up like Big Mama in the grave. But instead, it just made it like, that's just one of those things. But that's and, part of the culture, I would think, in some aspect. Yeah. Well, you know, if we look at the culture in my book, Slaves of the Tongue, uh, which I'm sold out now. But anyway, this okay. is a book, Slaves of the Tongue, and uh, on Amazon. Can I see the cover again? I'm oh, just kind of. Yeah, I yeah. Oh, it's a body. Okay. Yeah, it's a body, and this is all the the David, factory dealing with all that junk, and you body. see the prize. <laughs> yeah. So this a is body. Pardon me. Yes, it's a man's body. Yes. It. it uh. Okay, yeah. I see. Okay. It looks like the man has breasts, but that's just from obesity. Yeah, he has wow. one bigger than the other too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah. That's a fascinating topic. Um, yeah. I yeah. why are, you're sold out? That must be really good. Are they going to reorder those? I'd like yeah. to read that. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we're on the phone with them today because we actually sold out last night. Um, at I didn't know how it was sold out because it's supposed to be digital. So I, I'm going to get on the phone with them. Uh, right. There's yeah. the digital book, and then we have the 
what's the other one um, that you can upload? Amazon, uh, Kindle. Uh, yes, Kindle. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, but people want the actual book. So uh, okay. that we work yeah. on that. But the, good, good, good. the idea is that- Go back to culture, yes. Yeah, the culture is when it comes down to the culture, the things that, that in my studies, when I was studying for this uh, particular book, by the way, I found information and compared it in each culture. Why do we eat what we eat? And what I found was that each culture endears the very food that they suffered the most with. So slaves eat the same food that they were deprived of. You have uh, each of the cultures have different dishes that remind them of when they were the closest. And when they were the closest is when they were under attack from, you know, other whomever, you know, like uh, the Jews had to deal with, uh, you know, the Hitler thing, the uh, the whole Holocaust, the uh, black folks with the uh, slavery, um, uh, the Asians were held down by you know, maybe another set of age, I don't know. But what all of these different things, it comes to the food that they were most um, uh, exposed to, what they had on hand at that time of struggle, or the foods that became endeared, the things that they embrace today. Uh, and uh, and then other, uh, the Persians, uh, they were oppressed also. And during their war, one of the things that was taken from them was animal food. And now when as a show of opulence, they overdo it with the meat. They show they eat as much meat as they can because this is to them a way to show that they are not impoverished in any way and that they have enough money to eat whatever they want to eat. And they also lead in, especially like in Los Angeles and probably Southern California in gastrointestinal problems because they eat meat all day and all night. Okay, so one of the things in the sense of when it comes to relationships is you continue to eat that way. Um, And I'm glad you explained the whole culture thing because that was something I was curious about. But Mm -hmm. if you continue to eat that way, um, you may end up ending your life sooner than um, expected because your body cannot process all of that stuff. That that is correct. And the other thing about it is just so inconsiderate of a person that you love and people that love you. Because when you tell people about these things that how they will harm you, this can be injurious to this system, that system and so forth. And they say, this is my body. You can't tell me what to do with my body. My body is my body. Well, yeah, maybe so. However, consider those other people that love you, those other people that are affected by your presence, uh, your importance in other people's lives. So when people don't uh, consider that, they're being very, very cold and 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 non-thinking when it comes to other people they're just thinking about themselves and i think that that that's definitely a travesty yeah you know earlier you mentioned uh well we talked about emotional eating and those yes. using food as a comfort and then you mentioned nocturnal eating or a nocturnal eating disorder that's can you correct. describe that i've not heard heard that what is yes, a nocturnal 
eating disorder? Oh, sure. Uh, nocturnal, this is really a, one of those weird diseases that a person actually has insomnia. Um, they wake up, but they're unconscious. And they know the way, uh, even if they have steps or stairs, or even if they have difficult um, pathways to the, the refrigerator, some kind of way they find it. And they open the refrigerator, they leave the door open usually, and they eat from it. They just eat wow. from it until they're satisfied during the night, uh, until they are awakened or uh, they may just stop there, leave the refrigerator open, and they'll lie down right where they are until somebody discovers them. Uh, or they'll sit in a chair or something and put their head down and go to sleep, or they'll be somewhere else in the house asleep. However, uh, they do this during the night hours. So uh, it is something that is off with the supracasmetic nucleus, which is found in the uh, hypothalamus. Uh, it, it's in our brain, and it could be something that an endocrinologist should look at as far as what type of hormones are being secreted at that time, how much uh, uh, or uh, whether it's too much or not enough. But nevertheless, it's pretty common. What tips do you have for individuals who maybe, like you said, have an emotional relationship with food? Like when they get depressed or sad, they eat a lot of ice cream and cookies and sweets. How can we, what suggestions to get into more of a positive relationship when the cravings are there? It's Yeah, it's, first of all, you want to get on the same page with, 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 your, with the patient. To, if they're in denial, that that they're doing that if they're in denial in which they usually would be that you know i'm not doing that uh you know no i just do that because or whatever the the excuse is um it's to change the language or the auto suggestion that they're hearing because that auto suggestion is supporting that particular behavior once you get them on the same page with you, then you can begin to offer certain alternatives, such as uh, when you feel that you're going there or when you experience these particular triggers, here are some constructive things for you to do. And you do those repeatedly because what happens when you do things over and over and over, they become habits. And when those things become habit, uh, will eventually translate into uh, the new behavior that, that you see. Dr. Zarif, I have a yes. question from the audience. Mm -hmm. um, sure. A listener wants to know how, what you would suggest for them to have a more positive relationship with food. Beautiful. Relationships with food are just like relationships with people. It comes down to first appreciating yourself. Anybody that has a bad relationship with food has a bad relationship with themselves. Understanding that you just don't deserve to eat a great or a really healthy meal. Understand that you're born with that right to you are worthy of it. You see, it's a big difference between I am worthy and I deserve. I am worthy. You can hear the difference even when I say it. You know, deserve hardly has any weight. And it's almost I'm begging, I'm beseeching for somebody to acknowledge me for why I deserve something. But when you go in with the attitude is I am worthy of 
everything that was here before me, everything that will be here after me, and everything that's, that's here right now is claiming uh, the worthiness of uh, filling your optimal self. So when you eat things, instead of just eating them like being in a relationship and you have no idea why you're with the person, you have no idea of their purpose, you have no idea of their contribution, it's the same thing with food. Have an idea of, oh, I'm eating this spinach. Oh, the chlorophyll is going to really do great for my digestive system. Oh, I love this fiber. I'm increasing the fiber. The doctor said I need to eat about... 25 to 50 percent, you know, fiber every day, or I'm I'm, uh, regulating my bowel movement with this, or it's nothing nasty. Right, so what you're saying, it's eating with a purpose. Yes, eating with a purpose. You know, they have mindfulness, but when we've been taught how to eat mindlessness, and it's like, it's changing that whole narrative around. Have a purpose for everything that you do. I still eat my cereal, protecting it from other people, because I grew up with six siblings, and I still find myself eating fast and then gardening and protecting my food. Uh, The fastest eaters on the planet, if you're ever around people with like real busy schedules or people that like- Are teachers. I have have colleagues that are, yeah. That short little break. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, oh man, a surgeon- I have few, I don't know one surgeon that eats slowly, not one. It's just, just, it's just like tossing a bowl of cereal to a fan and it's just all over the place. Uh, but it's really taking step by step, uh, starting off with a small amount of cereal. You would eat less and you would eat slower. Why? Because you have less. If you eat in a big bowl of cereal and you have everything that, you know, you can go over to another box or two boxes if you want to, it has a tendency to dictate your speed of or frequency of eating. So do that. Get a smaller bowl and take your time with it. And then you're probably going to want another bowl and you put a little bit in. But the size, what you're seeing visually does affect the speed of your eating. Yes, Doc. Wow. That's amazing. You have shared so much. And so I'm curious, how can people um, find you? What services do you offer? Tell us, yes, a little bit about how we can find you. Sure. You can go on uh, executivelifediet.com, executivelifediet.com. Or you can search me on Dr. Farid Zarif, uh, you know, Google whatever search engine you use and I'll come up. And um, you uh, can also, for as far as my services are concerned, I have a lot of services available, everything from um, personal consultations uh, and eating disorders like we just talked about, uh, personal conversations. Uh, we ha- also have group therapy where we have, you know, many people that may be addicted to a certain thing or okay. so forth. Um you know, uh, I don't know, speaking, public speaking, uh, we have all of those things, even self-defense, you know, so anything that has to do with nutrition. By the way, nutrition, I don't teach nutrition from the food aspect. I teach nutrition from the nourishment aspect. We don't die from uh, the lack of nutrition. We get sick and we die from malnourishment. 
So I talk about nourishment. We need to learn nourishment, not the nutrition, because nutrition will be 10 years from now, we'll be still saying uh, A is for apple, because that's all we never took it farther than that. You know, uh, apple a day keeps the doctor away. Oh, man, please. But when it really comes to it, uh, I teach a very innovative way and a way that you can become your doctor. Okay. Um, I went onto your website and I noticed that there was one thing that I, I want you to mention just quickly. Okay. What are the five immediate life changes? The five immediate life changes. One of the things that, um, uh, that I think without looking at the list, the very first thing that you have to do is to be able to, to communicate with yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's a super, very, a very important uh, part of, let me see, I don't pick it up so I can actually go with you. But the, uh, one of the, oh, did I lose you? No, we're still here. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, good. All right, I took a zoom off. But the other thing, I, what I want to do is just to, to see if I could get on here with you and, and go through those steps. However, let me, let me just forget about it. Uh, the five steps in order to uh, change your life is, is, first of all, by habit. Mm-hmm. Doing those things that you can do that you want to repeat on a daily basis. Those things that that are healthy for you. The other thing is to include uh, the uh, balance of nutrition uh, or the way that you eat, physical activity, and deep sleep. Uh, yeah. Deep sleep is super important because this is where you do all of your repairing and re- refreshing. Okay, so uh, those are some of the things. And then uh, also making a better decision on the the foods that you choose, eating the right foods at the right time. So those are some of the things that will be life changers. Thank you so much for being in the show. We really do appreciate it. Oh, definitely. I am very happy to be here. It was fun with you all. That's a good uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you again. Great questions too, by the way. Oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome. So um, just wrapping up on our show here. Next week, we will basically have um, the Whole Man's Chronicles podcast. On May 20th, we have Kena Ford for the five characteristics of a stimulating relationship. Um, on May 27th, we're dealing with um, children in the sense of the emotional connection. And on June 3rd, we have a Ashley Cobb. She's our sex influencer and educator. Uh, listeners, thank you so okay. much for listening. Um, please follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Um, and if you're on the podcast, please give us a rating. We love to do that. Or if you want to review us. Also, we're on Clubhouse every Friday morning at 7.30 a.m. And also, like I said, um, relationship or intimacy is what we specialize in. Check out my new book called Improving Intimacy. And definitely check us out on Patreon. This has been the Bringing Intimacy Back show where intimacy is real. And thank you again, Dr. Kelly and Dr. Zarif for being on the show today. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.